Is that all I am to you, your podcast host? All you have left is fear. And fear it is. <laughs> Welcome into JC and the Bull, 48 hours after the penultimate episode, but we are here delivering on our promise. The people at, needed their podcast. An episode to end all episodes. Tweets flooded in, a bunch of three-way threads. The people needed their podcast. Has there ever been, I, I just feel like I'm in Game of Thrones at a point now where like everyone's all in, you know, it's a cultural moment. But that episode, I've never seen as much conversation, and we're going to talk about Danny's turn and the whole conversation around it, but I can't, you know, it's just, you don't want to be a prisoner in the moment, but that episode sparked an insane amount of conversation. That's No, you I, never want to be a prisoner of the moment. You no, never I want never to say, to, you never want to say to. Endgame is the greatest movie of all time. Well, you don't want to give a spoiler, but I, I really like I mean, it. was no a great movie. A spoiler. No, I know. <laughs> joking, because everything is a spoiler. Right, for certain people who have yet to engage in I entertainment. I have a whole point I want to make later. I mean, I, I want to compare to the Hunger Games. I want to compare to the Avengers Civil War. I want to compare to real-life events that happened in 1984, right. and I'm worried about spoiling it to our West Coast listeners that are always a few hours behind. Sure, yeah, in, in some cases, forty-eight hours behind. <laughs> but we are here to recap the penultimate episode, not of the season, not of the season of the show, the ultimate penultimate jaw dropper, the ultimate polarizing episode in which some fans are jumping off the ship of being fans. They hated it so much. The people either hated it or hated that other people hated it and then people hate the people that are hating on the people that hate it and that is twitter in a nutshell it's, it's inception hate hate within <laughs> hate but within hate um so the most obvious glaring question what do we look what do we just want to make sure those bars on our little garage band oh, are good. working they're and good. we're good we, it's stuck in a standstill all right we're good well, some people would laugh at our technology you know i like to check our, i like to check our volume yeah as to- our as our de facto producer I respect that, and I respect your opinion. Because the, here's the best part of the show. Giving our best for an hour, putting it out there, getting nice reviews from our friends, and then one friend saying that you should just do it on your phone because your microphone is so terrible. Anything will be better. That, that's what I do it for. You can put it out there. <laughs> Either you like it, you take it. If not, send it right on back. Yeah. We don't. It is not your quest to listen, but if you do, we appreciate it, and we would also appreciate a Venmo request, a, Ven- a Venmo payment, and a review <laughs> on on Apple Podcasts. So, what do you think? Basically, the format of the show, JC and the Bull. We only have two more episodes. This is our this is our penultimate podcast well, episode until we, until we start the, the Survivor podcast, the binge watch from season one. We'll have to undergo a series of <laughs> <laughs> of traumatizing events and then have a podcast for sixty minutes. Which loved one will you bring? If you choose the wrong person, they will have a lifelong vendetta against you. It would be a national moment when Charlie came out on that island to see me. <laughs> That'd be nice. Having said that, let's dive in. Joe, it's it's hard 48 hours to give a gut reaction to yeah. that kind of episode, but as you let it sit in there, you put it in the crock pot, you turned it on medium, and you walked away. What is your lingering feeling takeaway from this episode? Great question. So yeah, what, I, what we're going to do general feelings about the episode, then we're going to talk about Danny's turn for about an hour and a half, probably, and then we'll touch on some of the other small things, maybe predictions, and then move on. My general feeling on the episode watching it, I was miserable, appalled, and shocked. We're going to talk about who's surprised, who's shocked about the surprise people and all that. I was very surprised. You know, on the show, I've been defending Danny 
and kind of dismissing the um, critiques against her as sexist. I will continue yeah. to do some some of those today. Prepare to be dismantled. Yeah. So we will do plenty of that in a second. But as I was watching it, I definitely appreciated the cinematography, the suspense, the use of music that I did not know what was going to happen next the entire time. So it was very suspenseful. Um, it was... Once it turned, though, it wasn't something I'm used to seeing, and it's been something that's been haunting me. You know, I honestly didn't sleep well. I have been thinking about it nonstop. I've been arguing with you in my head for the last two days. And so, I, so there hasn't been a... You know, not going to be a prisoner moment. There hasn't been an episode of television that's made me think more because we've talked so much about Danny, um, and we're going to get to that, obviously, and we're going to stop saying we're going to get to that. We will eventually get to it. But, you know, looking back on it now, while I didn't enjoy it, it makes you feel so many different feelings, which included, like, anger, resentment, fury, confusion, self-doubt. And, like, that's kind of what I want and what you so rarely get in a TV show. It's not a rom-com. I don't need everything to turn out the way I need it to turn out. Like, I often look for a show or a movie to end in, like, a dark, different, cynical way because it's so it's just, one, maybe more realistic, and then number two... It, it's less frequent. It's less common to see a show like that. So the more I've been removed from it, despite my many qualms with how it played out and how it built to that moment, I'm appreciating it more and more as at least a piece to like really discuss and think. There's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of thinking that I've done, other people, and you, we've all done, and I can't wait to talk more about it. So that, I think at the very least, we could disagree about the ending, but we're all talking about it and invested in it and this episode specifically, not even just the show, gave us a ton to think really deeply about. I think that's fair. I think my takeaway is probably more of a summary of, of everything. Like a Sparks note? No, but like a sum, like more overarching of the entire show is we entered, at least I did, we entered this season with, with really grand expectations, right? And... I guess as as fans of, at least speaking for myself, cinema, rom-coms, you know, eight-season shows on NBC and ABC that kind of have these happy, happy news followed by sad news, but you kind of hope for a happy ending in the end. Game of Thrones is not something that you can ever have a really, truly happy ending. You can't have everything go the right way and expect like that to be the fun way because that would be disappointing because it would just end with the good guys on top right so for the fact that we're let me be the first to say we're going to get to Danny in just a moment (laughs) but for her to turn out bad should not have come as a surprise and they are they're giving us another bad person in the show so that if she is on the Iron Throne or she is killed in the next episode that we are either rooting for or rooting against it because Cersei is now dead. She was the last real evil threat in this world. They want us to gravitate toward Jon and Arya and root for the Hound in the end and root for Sansa because they those are the only good guys left. So I just I have no problem with Danny turning bad. I just wish that the show and I've said this every single podcast for three years. Is the show had the opportunity, and you brought this to our attention via text, the show had an opportunity to do 20 episodes as opposed to 
was it 13? Th- that's the biggest crime of all. And I didn't know this is that the show writers were the ones, and you know, they could do whatever they want, but they also have the right to be criticized for it. HBO gave them carte blanche, all the money they wanted. They said they could do 11 seasons. They can continue it. The show writers said they were done. They could finish it in 13 episodes. And so they're the ones rushing it. And if they want to move on with their life, you know, I understand it's tough, but like pass it on to someone else. You know, they they didn't do so great after they left George R.R. Martin anyway. For sure. But they are rushing and and then we're the ones suffering and now they're getting killed for it. But that's the whole exact point is... If I understand they have other projects, they're doing what like an X Men movie. Like congratulations, Wolverine has already been done. Like it's like it's like the Spider Man thing, doing it for the fourth time. Tobey Maguire did it like twenty years ago. They did a Star really a Star Wars trilogy, and they're yeah. doing the Confederate, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But anyway, but they're rushing point, it. Yeah, th- this is this is the thing that they're going to get remembered for because Game of Thrones through the first six to seven seasons is the most captivating America's favorite show, bar none. More people watch Game of Thrones than any other show, I would think. That's uh, not a fact. It's, it's good. A, it's it's a, good to throw out things you think. That's that's, that's why we do. It. That's, <laughs> but this is something you could Google. That's why you play all the games. <laughs> Google. I don't have time to Google. I things. think it was like 18 million people watch, or 17.5 million people watch. So I don't know how many. It's, people. it's all these people are are waiting on the final season of Game of Thrones, and you can't push along these plot lines so that people aren't completely surprised that Danny goes a little bit cray-cray toward the end of this show. Like, they did a better job in the lead-up to the episode, right? In the, in the you know, and you hate it, the first 45 seconds, minute lead-up, reminding us of scenes from anywhere from seasons one to six of all these struggles that Danny has had, these inner conflicts in her head. But... You have, over the first four episodes, is the only time you've ever really showed her struggling. Because what you should have done is showing episodes in Marine, where she wants to just blow the top off her whole city and all these slave owners. But instead, she goes, oh, let's just, we'll have peaceful negotiations and I'll just kill the, the armies. She should have shown more of these, this inner conflict that she had, that she showed in this past episode while she's locked away in her little office at Dragonstone. But that's the only real sign of an inner conflict that we saw, except for her just saying that she was going to burn King's Landing. So I just think they could have, with five more episodes, it, it would have been more understandable for, for the public audience to, to grasp that. Yeah, if there were more episodes, it would have been better. You know, a whole season of her isolation would have maybe made that moment make be, seem a little more plausible. Um, and yeah, in general, a rule is if you, in, in your last week's episode, little segment in the beginning of the show, if you need to do a doctored tape voiceover of everything that was ever said to her that didn't actually, you know, that didn't happen at the same moment in the show, so you're editing this to make it look, if you need to do that to convince the audience or persuade the audience that what you're about to do makes sense, then you probably didn't do enough build-up, right? So if you have to like sell the audience five minutes before the show what you're about to do with Daenerys, then you probably didn't do enough build-up. But I don't want to spend too much time like arguing about what could have been. They put together something that I think is very deep. Okay. And like we have all these things and all these notes to talk about. So let's really focus on it. So let's get to Danny. 11 minutes in, let's get to it. Um, before we get into the nitpicky and the you know really in the depths of the turn and what led to it and the different critiques of her throughout the show one thing i will say if i'm just looking at like a theme you know you like big themes right of the show what i'm seeing right now as what they did with that piece of art and 
how they finished it as of right now. What I'm seeing, my theme that I take away that I actually kind of like, like I think this is a worthwhile theme to pursue and to show is that there are no heroes, that we shouldn't be looking for saviors. We shouldn't be looking for political leaders or people that are narcissistic or are confident enough in themselves or believe in themselves enough to think that they could be the one true leader or something like a president. And there's arguments that all presidents are bad. We talked about that last week. We'll get into more with it with Joan Warfare when we talk about the dragon. But you know, there's an argument to be made that too often we treat politics and we treat our leaders like sports. Some are good, some are bad. We like Obama, we hate Bush. We like this person, we hate this person. And really, they all are problematic. They all aren't actually truly safe or truly, you know, at all times worried about every single person and trying to help every single person. And, you know, something I took from the show, and it's a dark thing, is that there are no heroes. We should have no faith in these leaders that want to be the true leader. And where we put our faith in is the people on the ground, the organizers, the people doing the work, helping the people on the ground, which in the show was Arya and Jon Snow, right? So, like, that's what I think, just thinking of a theme, getting away from Danny for a second, is that... I think the show is saying that, you know, power corrupts, right? It became a tragic, an epic tragic history of fall, right? Like a tragedy of like Odysseus's magnitude where Danny, the power corrupts her and now she's ultimately probably going to fall because of that corruption. But I think the ultimate, if you're just, we're not nitpicking for now, we're not critiquing right now. The theme they're saying now is there are no heroes. There's no one that's going to come save you. No one, none of these rich families have a moral compass and we should fend for ourselves and work with the common people and be like John and Danny and try to help as many people as you can as the rich spray corruption and greed and plunder and things from you and try to take from you. So it's, I think it's a dark message, but I, I would say it's one worth telling. Yeah, basically what they did was throughout the course of the show, they had Robert Baratheon to Ned temporarily to Joffrey so you had kind of stupid to ruthless to Toman who was manipulated to Cersei who is back to ruthless and now we have Daenerys who in the course of this episode is the reincarnated version of the Mad King and the Mad Queen and she is actually and we, we, we haven't seen her we haven't had a seen what she is like speaking to her advisors and who she elects to even keep as an advisor spoiler alert um she is she is more evil than the Mad King because we saw that the, the, the green fire is going off in King's Landing, which was that was the plan of the Mad King that if he wasn't gonna rule, like he was gonna blow up everyone. Everyone was going down with him. Well Danny is so unamused that she strikes fear in all these people, and they were right to feel that way and you know, when it's all said and done. But she was like, if they don't believe in me and they don't love me. She expected to come over from, from Essos and Marine and be just welcome with open arms for people who don't even know who she is. She obviously had her struggles early on, but she wanted, she felt an isolation in the North and is just so ticked off by this Varys, Tyrion, John dilemma that she decided that, boop, light went on. Everyone's coming down with me. She's hearing all these voices in her head push her off the edge. And she did what the Mad King failed to do, and it's really just destroy the entire capital, which I don't mean to be a prisoner at the moment. That would make me consider her more evil than her father. 
And at the all, we're all rooting for her this whole time to make it over across the narrow sea and and team up with John and this uh, Dorn and Tyrion and all these great this this dream team of good guys and good girls, good people. And she and turns out to be arguably the worst ruler of them all. We'll we'll see, obviously, no. to be determined. But that that's kind of what well, you said. There are no heroes. The heroes are Arya and John. Um, and they they are the only ones left to try and prevent the most maybe ruthless evil rule of them all. But then that, that almost contradicts the fact that there are no heroes. Like they were totally helpless. Arya could kill Daenerys next episode, but a million people just got killed. Children, and, right. so there are no heroes. No one's going to come save you. I think that's the ultimate message. There's a couple things I want to unpack there. I'm starting to get a little excited because we're into the Daenerys conversation. Right. Why don't the, you unpack first? We're gonna fully get into hey, suitcase out. rating levels of evil and whether that's a worthwhile distinction to make. We're going to get to that in a minute. First, I want to do, which I think is a fair critique of Danny this entire show, and is, if this is what you're arguing, then I think you can make the case that her turn made sense. You said that she came to Westeros expecting everyone to love her, put very little work into it, and then got irrationally angry when people didn't love her automatically. I think that comes from her white saviorism, right? So in the very beginning, we talked on this show years ago, and I even brought it up last week, I dismissed it probably too um, too quickly last week and kind of took the agency of Grey Worm and Masande, um over some of Daenerys' past acts and basically said they believe in her so maybe we should too but I think it ultimately is like oh Daenerys has two black friends and that's shielding her from some of this criticism and I think I made a mistake but so I think it, it if you're gonna if you're gonna make the Ooh. case that Daenerys tell our producer if, to clip that <laughs> and save it for next week. If you're gonna make the case that Daenerys's turn makes sense, you have to do it the white savior way. I think you can't do it the emotional. You can't do it the burning the Tarleys way. And we'll get to that in a second. I think you have to do it the white savior way. That from the very beginning she was using the abolitionist movement and proximity to black and brown people to launder her tyrannical power grab. So she is ostensibly going after noble means, and that's supposed to, you know, be a facade and a a, serve an illusion for us, mostly white people, I think, fell for it potentially, that she's out for the right reason. She's trying to save all these people. She's trying to serve all these people. She doesn't want slavery. That's a very easy thing to get behind, right? But what many people, book readers for sure, because there were more hints at her tyrannical nature, um, but also people of color have noticed that, you know, anytime a white person comes in and wants to save it and be the one and I'm going to save all these people and I'm going to be the leader in Westeros, like you, you can't trust that person. And so that is the critique of her that I think you could eventually get. I think they could have played it up more, mm-hmm. but that is where just because she has two black friends doesn't mean that she is g- isn't this narcissistic, tyrannical leader that just wants power? And when she feels like it's grasping away, she's gonna go. You know, she's gonna go and kill everyone and not feel bad for it. Because, and we could talk about how to commit a genocide. You know, you have to be a narcissist. You have to believe that the people that you're spraying down with fire are your enemies, even though they're children. So you have to see the other side, every single part of that side as evil. And one of the ways to rationalize that is saying that Daenerys cares about literally no one. But herself, and she even had this worry right earlier with Tyrion talking about how she didn't love Dario, and not even that she didn't love him, but she didn't care. She wanted to just get over the conversation. So she even had worries that she was narcissistic. So that's the way you have to argue. Thoughts on that, and then we're going to get into like some of these other smaller things that I felt like were more sexist. But what do you think about 
that being the reason that she turned, that she was just like a narcissist and only cared about power the entire time and didn't actually care about Masande, Grey Worm, the Unsullied, the Dothraki. She might have liked them, she might have loved them, but she cared more about her power than they, than doing what's best for them. Yeah, I don't think it's even up for debate that the power trumped all those things because I, th- I think that she, she rose the power based on her empathy for, for people who have been treating, treated unfairly, obviously people who were enslaved. That was, that was her calling card. Was like She's like, I didn't liberate anyone. They liberated themselves. But she obviously gave them the opportunity, the lens to, inf- to free themselves. And they all bought in and they supported her and they supported her claims to, to royalty and power. And that's what led, that was her rise in Easteros, right? That's what it's called, mm-hmm. in Marine and Essos. But when she got to Westeros, like that, it's like it's like she lost sight of those things because she. It's like it's like being so close to what you have been clamoring for your entire life, and then it's like forgetting how you got to where you are. Like, where did you get these armies? Because you promised these people different lives, and they're now fighting and doing all this stuff for you. But the only thing that she really cared about in the end was being popular. And being in charge. Well, being powerful, right? So it has to be that she, all the, the concerns and the lip service to helping people had to be a cover for her, you know, well, wanting to be the supreme ruler. That's what I think. Sure. But, if you're going to make that argument. But, now, I ultimately think this fails, and, I, and we'll get into that in a second. I think it's I, character development or character ev- evolution. At one point in her leadership, in her rule... She did. That was what she cared about. Like but she the, cared about. So the white savior critique is that she never really cared about them as much as she cared about her own power. They were instruments in her gaining power, and there. I think that's the only way that you really can make this argument. Now you might not think that. I mean, two weeks ago, I didn't think that. I thought that you know we got to listen to these people. She wasn't trying to save every single person. She was letting them go free if they wanted to. Well, I mean, they were free, but they they didn't have to follow her. Um, at least she said that. So. I ultimately a couple weeks ago dismissed this and and but I was honestly more focused on pushing away and defending her against what I thought were sexist attacks and I basically pushed aside some of the things that she's been saying for a while and instead really focused on the things she was doing and felt like she was getting treated like a double standard and was treating it and was talked about both on the show and among people talking about it in a sexist way and I prioritized that and that's what I've been struggling with and that's what makes a good show right it's like it's not it's not easy it's not simple it's very complicated so then I think the second, well, he, he, hold on. So then, thinking back through of all the warning signs and all the warning signs and all the tips and the trick and the clues that people are now saying that was obvious that it was Dan- that Daenerys was going to go and kill a million innocent children. And I don't know, it was you know probably a hundred thousand. Like obvious is the right word. But if you're shocked but that I, people are surprised, then you're saying it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I think people are surprised. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm just talking about there are a lot of people that were annoyed now that people are surprised. If you're annoyed that people are surprised, it because you think it was a logical and right. We we have, we said last podcast they're the strong the, the 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 directors are strongly hinting that like she is turning and she's got like an evil ticking bomb counting down in her head. I think like that was you could be surprised that she made that she that she snapped at this moment. But no one should be surprised big picture that she ultimately did because they have been forcing this issue that no one trusts her. She, like Sansa says, I don't trust her. Tyrion is 
is very trepid when he says, oh, but you have to believe in something. And, and Varys is like, is very skeptical that, that he fully believes in her. His faith is shaken to a degree as well. Like no one fully believes in her anymore. But something I was arguing last episode, some of those concerns were a double standard and were sexist because she wasn't doing anything different than what they had done. She was now, but here's the one thing I would say that now going back to the white savior thing, just for a second, the one warning sign that I think could potentially have grown and evolved into something like we saw. Now, I don't think all the way to genocidal mass murder and war crimes, but something like people would have called the Mad Queen, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's mostly like targeting your enemies and not caring about collateral damage. That's not what happened, but that would have been more reasonable. But when she, in Marine, beheaded one of her advisors, a formerly enslaved, now free man, for basically killing a master who revolted against them and saw them as... When she beheaded them, basically, without putting them on trial, where she put the former enslavered and active in rebellion against her, when she put the advisor, the formerly enslaved person, not on trial, unlike the other one, and beheaded him, it was like she was more mad at him because he said he didn't listen to her, rather than like what side of the fight he's on and whether he's fighting for justice or not. So that is like, oh, are you fighting for justice and freedom for all people, not just yourself? Or do you just care if people listen to you? And well, that, I think, is like the biggest sign to me where, and we, we critiqued that years ago. We said that was the wrong decision to execute him. And that to me is the closest to what we're seeing now. The Charlie's thing is just like, they were military leaders, blatant racists, and refused to follow her. What else is she supposed to do? And they're the leaders of the party. She spared everyone else. So that, I don't think, people keep saying that, but I think it's because they see themselves or they see their family members or their Fox knowing family members in the Charlie's a little bit, and they don't want to say that those people deserve the wrath of justice, and maybe it's not burning in our world, but it's something else, and they don't want that reckoning to come. It's my opinion that why the Tarleys is such a sticking point for some people, but that advisor, that formerly enslaved person who was beheaded, I think that showed Daenerys's trigger or like complete anger when people don't abide for everything she says. I think what she did in Marine with the guy who went and just killed the, the master. Without That's what I'm talking about. I think that is the exact same as when John beheaded the former Kingsguard from King's Landing because he wouldn't go out to Eastwatch. So you 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 didn't you just went like you he he gave him an order he refuted and he got his head chopped off. She killed an innocent man before a before a trial. So you committed murder. You got your head chopped off. So that's, that's how I would. So now we're roles reversed. So now I'm saying what Daenerys did was worse, and you're saying it's the same as John. Same as John. But I'm saying that because you have to take context into into he killed someone. Yeah, he disobeyed an order, but he killed a former slave who was trying. I mean, a former slaveholder who's trying to reuphold slavery and is rebelling against them. So that to me seems a little different than right. But so I think she, I think you're sympathizing because the issue is slavery here. Is that wrong? In, is it wrong to not in, give a little well, to in, the enslaved? Look at, it, look at it in today's law and order situation. If let's let's not use you, you. let's let's use one of our listeners, right? I think that's fair. Bring someone else. Someone random, yeah. Someone random. Let's let's try Rob. <laughs> <laughs> if Rob had a if Rob had a sister who sold popcorn. On the weekdays. I'm very excited to see where this I need, goes. I need to just kind of... Because we're talking about slavery, so we're at a pretty serious topic. So I'm glad sure. we're, we're now on to popcorn. A, a little bit more 
fun for our reader, our listeners at home who don't want to talk about slavery. You're just going to talk about legal things. Which is your expertise. And, and some, you know, potential clientele walk by, distracted Rob's sister, and another one took the popcorn, popcorn chart, cart. People sell popcorn on carts, right? Took it away. Stole the whole cart. Rob now goes and kills the person who stole the popcorn cart I think before a trial. The analogy. Would you say that Rob should be allowed? You're, you're making a your analogy breaks down because you're making a vast difference in the offenses where the offenses with Daenerys weren't that different. So the person that was on trial tried to kill the queen and tried to kill formerly enslaved people. So he was on trial for basically have his trial. He wasn't declared guilty. But but you you made it popcorn and murder where it was basically. Uh, attempted murder and murder, but the, I'm saying that right, stealing popcorn there, there is too no is too trivial. There's no verdict yet in this in this trial. He wasn't at least declared guilty. I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying that you have to take into account the, what each person did and the degrees of seriousness. So the sure. the sequel would be that Rob went back, hit the guy, and took the popcorn back. I think the guy who took the popcorn first is more wrong than Rob who took the popcorn back. So the enslaved it's an ethics per- thing, yeah. So I just don't think you don't believe that that trial is even necessary. You take you just believe just do what do what ultimately your moral compass. I is guess right. just in that moment, I felt like she was more angry right, that he disobeyed that. him and not more angry. You know, so that's where it is. It's like right. Everyone thought that what he did was like the right thing to do. Not even the she, right she, thing she, to but do. But she didn't. But she didn't want the rest of her followers to believe that like. You know, everyone here is going to be given a fair chance to hear have their case be made, and we're going to listen and then make a conscious decision. Whereas he took justice into his own hands, which I, she didn't like. I get why he's in trouble. I'm just saying, if you're trying to Do you find know why a, Rob is in trouble, <laughs> if you're trying to find a warning sign of her being that narcissistic leader that only cares about her rule, that could potentially be it. I mean, Tyrion then. And now we're way back and breaking down way previous seasons off the top of our head. But Tyrion then in later episodes about Sir says a leader who executes people who are devoted to her doesn't inspire much devotion. That's a yes. glaring critique and criticism of what Daenerys did to that guy. So I'm just saying that like – that's all I'm saying. So that would be one thing. But I want to get to – this is almost like I'm making a big counter argument and I eventually want to get to where I think – the episode fails and the logic fails and where Daenerys, it wasn't obvious that she would go and spray thousands and hundreds of thousands. And I keep changing the number because I don't know how many people and civilians she killed. Hundreds of thousands sounds actually. Yeah. So here's the other kind of way that people are not surprised that this happened. And I think this is less convincing. And I think it plays into the ambitious women are crazy and emotional trope that we've talked about on here. So I think they're either... They're either ignoring, they're either overrating and exaggerating things that she did, and we talked about this last episode too. So they're either taking the things that she's done, like burning the Tarleys, um, burning or crucifying the enslaved people, burning Masande's former master, some of the brutal things she did. They're either exaggerating how radical that is, because again, there's a big difference here. It's that these people were her enemies and were doing terrible things and she was meeting force with force, right? Mm-hmm. So people are either exaggerating those things and saying that all of those things lead to what we just saw or they're underrating and grossly, and you're not doing this, I'm glad to hear that you're not, grossly not understanding 
what she just did. So if you think that burning the Tarleys and crucifying the masters and burning, you know, even Varys, who was trying to kill her, right? If you think those things are a logical step to what she did in that episode, then I think you're misunderstanding what she did in that episode, which was genocide after the war was done. It's really hard to find a comparison point. And usually when you, well, usually when you say there's something is unprecedented, it's never happened before, it's usually because it's out of ignorance, right? So it's like usually because you haven't known, like these things do happen throughout history. There are terrible things that happen throughout history that you don't even know about, right? So like I just read yesterday, and there's a little bit of a sidetrack, but it kind of goes into drone, drone warfare and the, the disaster of people on the ground when state violence up top. 1985, Philadelphia police, and it was yesterday was the 34-year anniversary of it, so that's why it kind of went viral on Twitter, the story. I hadn't heard of it before, but the Philadelphia police dropped a bomb on a black liberation group move. There was some conflicts with police. A police officer got killed previously. Nine of their members went to jail so it wasn't for life, so it wasn't like that wasn't resolved, but there were continuing conflicts. The Philadelphia police, 500 officers, shot 10,000 rounds of bullet into this house that had women and children in it, innocent civilians, and then dropped a bomb, a bomb they lent or borrowed or whatever or bought from the FBI, the federal government. They dropped a bomb on this house, killed 11 people, six members of that organization, the Black Liberation Group move, and five children, or yeah, five children, five civilians, maybe women and children. And then a fire broke out and burned down 61 homes and then displaced and made homeless 250 people. And they didn't rectify that or they didn't pay those people back for the burnt homes for 20 years. So people lived in, you know, they basically, and the point is that terrible things happen, you don't even know it. And I kind of saw a parallel with the state violence of spraying, you know, the airstrikes on innocent civilians not caring about collateral damage. That's a long way to say, usually when we say something's unprecedented, it's just because we don't know that it happened. Having said that, in the show knowledge, we don't have a reference point. The Mad King did not burn everyone to the ground. Ramsey, Joffrey killed babies. They didn't kill 100,000 babies after the war was over. So there is a... Nothing genocidal has ever happened like this. Unless there's some history in the books that we don't know about. And I'm sure there were wars where people went... You know, you could think of like burning and villaging and raping of villages. You know, like, you know, some of the Thens and maybe the Greyjoys have come and terrorized villages and done terrible things to women and children. But never on this scale. I think the scale is a little different. And just the idea that the war... War was won. It was over. It was unnecessary. The white flags were up. It wasn't as if, and this is where I think the logic breaks down, if she, after the war was won, burnt and killed every single soldier and Cersei, she would still be considered by Tyrion, by Jon, and by many of the viewers as the Mad Queen. These people surrendered. They're our family. Some of them are our family. Some of them are our friends. And you burnt them anyway. She would still be considered the Mad Queen. If she got off that perch when the bells were ringing, and that was an unbelievable scene. It really was. The drama there, the music, it was one of the more beautiful scenes ever until it became a total disaster oh, show. We'll talk about that scene. Sorry. Next. But she flew. If she flew to Cersei and tried to take down the Red Keep, which I think a lot of us thought she was going to do, and then let's say that falls down and kills a bunch of civilians. To me, that, number one, makes more logical character sense. People would still critique her and criticize her and say that she had lost her mind a little bit, and 
it would be closer to like what some of our favorite president did, where he had, I think, like 542 airstrikes and killed 343 innocent civilians in his presidency with these drone strikes. It would have been something closer to that, where you're doing a quote-unquote targeted killing. And maybe this is a distinction without a difference. It's certainly a distinction without a difference for all the people, the civilians that die. But that is, we can find comparison points in our history and in the history of the show where a leader is trying to take out a rival, and while doing that, they are indifferent to the collateral damage to the people that they kill. This was something even different than that, and that would have got criticized. This was that the war was over, and she killed every single person she could as fast as she could. So that's where it was like shocking to me, and I think when you, and I'm going to be done in a second, that's where some of these more sexist, I think, double standards that people bring up, like the Tarleys, like the, I keep giving the same examples, those things, and her words, le- did not lead to that. The scales are different. It right, might have right. led to her taking out Cersei and taking out innocent people either indifferently or by accident. It didn't lead to her on purpose killing every single person there. Right. And in that moment, it's kind of like when you watch a murder trial and they say, like, I was, I blacked out and this craziness and, and I killed someone. Like, it's, I think it was out of her grasp. Like, the madness flipped on. And no, the show did not adequately give examples where she did slight crazy things. It went from zero to 100 in a major way. And the only hints that they provided were people discussing that she was acting this way. But she did not act irrationally in any way to date. And you made that point a week ago, which is which resonated when it actually happened. They could have showed her, again, struggling in her, like, show her in this, in isolation for a few episodes, show her just not showing up to all these things. They didn't do that adequate, and that's a fault of the show and the show directors by making this a six-episode season. In the switch, where they're, in the scene where they're ringing the bells, this is, because we're, we're kind of going to drift off of Daenerys right now. Well, I have a little more, but. Sure, but we're going to drift off But you off do the her. battle, yeah. <clears throat> there, there are three, there are, there are four different people on, that they show um, in that scene, John is exhaling. He's so happy that this war is over and people are stuck. He hates death more than anyone. He's like seen enough of it. And they just finished this war, this battle of Winterfell. He just wants to be done. He helped his queen and it's just his queen, Joe. Um, nothing more. Um, so he's, he's done. And then all of a sudden he is like absolutely terrified when he sees her take off. Um, we're going to get to what John's going to do next after. Danny at this time is shaking. Um, she's having like a physical breakdown. A physical battle is going on in her head where she is like, it looks like when you're when you're a kid and you fight with a sibling. Anyone who has a sibling knows when they like piss. I can say piss off, right? Well, I did. When they piss you off and like they just put you over that certain level where you're like trembling to like punch them in the face. That's Danny right there having this mental breakdown. It's way worse than that because then she goes and kills hundreds right, of thousands of children. They're showing her like shaking, red, trembling. Um, Tyrion is watching, staring at the bells, and for a moment he has slight relief. And then to see the Drogon take off into the air, he is like, I cannot believe it. Like he is like, I I have told everyone when the when the bells stop, stop. So he is betrayed and all of his faith has been proved wrong as Varys said before he died I hope you're I hope I'm wrong well Varys was right shocker and the last thing is Grey Worm who embodies the same 
catastrophic recklessness as Daenerys and is acting as a ruthless killer. Maybe it's because of Masande. Maybe because he sees that Daenerys isn't taking her foot off the gas. But then Grey Worm looks like he might be the most murderous person in West in King's Landing at the same time. Any of that resonate with you at all? You yeah, of course. I just think you know to put a pin on it. Like that moment was obviously it could have gone a different way. It's it could have went for her after Cersei. They went to the more radical thing. You know, they could have made. And this is why, you know, Danny's turn, it's both maddening and thought-provoking because it's thought-provoking because it does give credibility to the fair critique that we talked about before that, you know, she was, she almost used her proximity to black people and she almost used her abolitionist endeavors to launder her own tyrannical views, her own tyrannical desire, her need for power. That's a fair critique. But I do think this turn, this ultimately fails because instead of having her go up to Cersei, having her do genocidal war crimes it it makes it seem like instead of they wanted it just fails as illuminating storytelling where basically now the whole show after 76 hours it's almost like the show writers are like yep the racists and the sexists the people that said all those things about the Dothraki about the Unsullied the people that said these terrible things about Daenerys when it wasn't fully warranted you know what they're right and we could disagree with their reasoning but basically the end of the show is basically like yeah she's crazy girls gonna cry ambitious girls are crazy power hungry girls are crazy and look what they did to you and it basically came to fruition everything that Cersei and the Tarleys were fear-mongering and using racism before. And my thing is, like, just like, is that a cool story? Like, why are the show writers excited to tell that story? They could tell whatever story they want in the world in a one where the racists and sexists who have been telling these terrible things about these foreigners, who the only thing they didn't know about them was that the color of their skin, their sex or gender, or where the continent they were from, displacing them as savages the entire show, and then the show writers being like, yeah, you know what? They, they actually are. That's like a terrible show, and that's why no one trusts them to do The Confederate. It's another thing where it's like, you know, the show writers say they're going to do The Confederate, which is like this dystopian alternate reality where the South wins the Civil War and slavery continues. And it's like, for, like why? Why is that your dream of, like, why is that your vision of a show and people don't trust them with it? And I think it's a fair critique, you know, and last point on this, they could have done, I think, an even better, an even more effective indictment of war, of airstrikes, of U.S. foreign policy, of drones, of President Obama and every president before and after him that have, you know, done these targeted killings and these airstrikes and bombings and all these things that are, quote unquote, or are, for targeted people that have done bad things but are indiscriminate in their harm. They cause lasting harm. They cause collateral damage. The way the the show was shot, the war scenes were shot, the dragon was very clearly doing airstrikes. It was very clearly like a dra- like um drones, like a weapon of mass destruction among people that can't deal with that type of weaponry, right? And that would have been such a better critique on war and on our foreign diplomacy and on our foreign war efforts, but 
if they had Daenerys go after Cersei and not care about the collateral damage. But instead, it's almost like this clean way of like, you know what? War, if Daenerys didn't go crazy, actually Tyrion and Jon's plans would have been fine. And very few people would have got killed. And I actually was excited in the middle of the episode. I'm like, look, they were all worried about killing all these civilians. And they didn't. They didn't have to. But that is almost an indictment of like, war isn't like that. So they could have made it more messy. They could have made it more morally ambiguous. Instead of now the debate is just like, oh, Daenerys is crazy and she killed all these innocent people. It would have been a more interesting conversation. This is what Avengers Civil War does, and it sparks the Civil War in Avengers. Sorry, spoiler alert. But there was some collateral damage when they were fighting bad guys and innocent people got killed. Like That's a more interesting conversation than just, oh, Daenerys lost her mind and is trying to burn every kid she could find. So I think that was a missed opportunity, too, where I think they think they're making a critique and indictment on our war and the, the industrial complex and the military and airstrikes. But by making Daenerys so clearly genocidal and doing it out of nowhere, it removes some of the moral ambiguity of war. Sure. Um, I'm going to agree. I'm going to disagree with your points. Agree that the, it, I blame the directors for a lot of this. I, I, I think that whatever the result of the show is, we're going to like because it's the end of the show and we were fully invested but they have they have since straying on their own path. They have fudged up a, a good bit for people who were really close followers to the first couple of years. And I think that I would I am not afraid to say that I would have rather waited another two more years, like which would have been a crazy. No, of course, and we keep saying that. So we just got to deal with what George, we got to deal with what they did. For George R. R. Martin to have a bigger say in this would have been nicer because I think that he would have implored them to to take their time and do things a certain way but obviously that's not the case and I digress I do disagree that I don't think this is a this girl has gone crazy I think it's a tar- they have isolate it's a Targaryen situation and they emphasize it's not because I think shocker you're making it into a people are thinking that she's crazy because she's a woman who wants power I think any Targaryen in that situation was was the whole point that they've shown Viserys, her, her brother being kind of like mental. They've talked at length about the Mad King and they have done the whole Targaryen flip a coin line since season one. It's in her DNA as opposed to Daenerys wanted power. She's a woman who is striving for a leadership role. I don't think they're just trying to say that women can't lead because Cersei was, Cersei was far and away the most wise person on the show for a good portion of the time. I don't think the show writers are saying that women can't lead, but they're playing into that emotional trope of like her being so fanatical and emotional and not being able to deal with loss that she goes and kills as many kids as she can. And I, I just think what you just said, if that's really what the show writers are doing, number one, I'm pretty confident that's not what the author George R. R. Martin is doing, and I'll explain that in a second, but that, that is so simple and so uncomplicated and so unnuanced that, oh, Targaryens are crazy, and because of incest... It's a theme that they're following up on But this show coming full circle. But this show always does... That's like the simple theme. The simple theme is, oh, the Targaryens, because of incest, half of them are crazy, and the Dothraki are savages. Like, that's the simple theme. The deeper theme that, like, I think the books got into more is, like, no, the Dothraki aren't the only people committing war crimes. They're not the only people raping and savaging people. And the show showed this for a second when Jon killed his fellow soldier who started to attack and rape a woman. It's the Lannisters and the Starks. It's the white people, too. It's not just the savages. So I think there's always this initial overarching theme that actually, once you break down, it's not as simple as that. Because life isn't as simple as that. There's not good versus evil. It's not just, you know, it's not as simple as 
I think you're saying it is, or that maybe the show writers are making it to be that. It's not, oh, Targaryens are crazy, and everyone else is fine. No, I think the deeper thing is that anyone going for power maybe doesn't have the best interests of people lower than them, or, or the leaders that we so often root for aren't worth rooting for. Like, that is like a deeper, more complex theme than just, oh, well, there's a couple Targaryens, some are crazy and some aren't. Like, that's less, that might be what the show's doing, but it's less interesting to me, for sure. So you would prefer them to take this evil view of women that you hate as opposed to sticking with the Targaryen theme, which is, I believe, to be the true part. It's not about women. It's just about like... That she's like a, a bipolar character that has a sympathetic side for a portion of her life and has a crazy side at a certain point that we just saw the light turn on for her well, that she's now a little bit woo-hoo. see so that yes, yeah, she was using all this language to like I think it's a li- like bipolar is a specific disease that people are diagnosed with so it's not like right, this is not but, literally bipolar disease I know, but, but we're using these you can have multiple personalities I, I think we're being loose with our words and I think the show is being loose where it's like oh now she's gonna go on this genocidal rampage for no real reason and that's where the logic breaks down and I think that's the failure on it it's but not it's that not, I it's not, it's, not no that, reason. it's not that I'm wishing I know it's not no reason but to, there's no reason for killing every single kid there is, there is, you can make the argument that there's a reason for her to go after Cersei and not care about the damage she caused. There's no, da- there's no reason that I'm arguing, and this is just my view, that she should have went on that genocidal rampage without actually going for Cersei. Um, but I'm not saying that I want them to say that women are evil. I want it to be more complicated than both of those things. That women, if they go for power, they end up becoming too emotional. That's very simple and dumb and a, a sexist trope. And just Targaryens, half of them are crazy, is also a silly, um, uncomplicated thought. It's more that, like, what, who are these leaders? Why do they want to be leaders? What role does power and privilege and wealth and not really having to care or experience the life of common people or people that don't look like you? What role does that have on the people that are residing over us? And are any of them really qualified to be the leaders? Or, you know, what the show never talks about is the common people and them organizing and them rising up. And maybe none of them, the Starks, the Lannisters, the Targaryens, the Baratheons, like that I think is what we were hoping when Daenerys said she was going to break the wheel is that she would bring democracy and a more just system. But really what she meant is she was going to eliminate everyone else and just have herself be the one true ruler. But I think what we would hope from the show is almost ultimately saying is that none of these powerful families should lead everyone. None of these powerful families or none of these powerful rich people actually know what's going on with the commoner. That would be a more nuanced, complicated theme, I think. But I mean, this is my views. For sure. And to end, to, her whole mission was to break the wheel. But what she has done is she has just spun the wheel. She is now on top. Well, that's the and qu- done so in the in not only the same but a worst version of everyone else who has since inhabited the throne. She is, and the Targaryens are back on top. But guess what? She has created enemies in what she did in the in the last episode. And there might not be a wheel because everyone will be petrified of her. But eventually, I think that what the I don't know. We'll get to it. But like, it's going to lead to an uprising that they don't want this tyrannical ruler who is. What she wasn't so f- many episodes ago is she is now a tyrannical ruler. I don't think there's any arguing. She's ruthless. But let's – we've spent a lot of time on Cersei. Um, we've spent no time on Cersei. I mean Daenerys. Um, I was looking at Cersei. But quickly, the breaking of the rule thing – the breaking of the wheel thing, I think that's something we talked about. And I think that is kind of a, a semi-cool thing the show did where – us and Tyrion, 
projected our own views onto Daenerys' comment that she wanted to break the wheel. We thought that was democracy. Tyrion thought it was democracy or a more fair system. And what it ended up being, and we don't know what her ta- what her plan was at the time, but more and more, at least the way the show is portraying it, was that she meant to stop the wheel, break every other wheel, like the little spokes, so kill every other family, and just like you said, be the one true leader. So she wants to eliminate everyone else and be the one leader, and that's why she never wanted to talk about a succession plan with Tyrion, where we kind of were wrong in assuming her best interests and assuming democracy, where she never really brought that up. Okay, I, I'm going to say a point. If you have something to say, say. If not, we're just going to move on to the next one until we find... We're gonna do, these are quick hitters... As we look ahead to the final episode and just kind of put our finishing touches on this episode. In terms of battle, the most lopsided battle we've ever seen on this show. Could you imagine what she would have done with three dragons and a full army? Because that would have been that would have been a knockout in round one, for lack of a bad analogy. I mean, it's like and I think you we, we texted about this. Once Daenerys learned how to fly vertically, she beat all the scorpions after they just took out one of her dragons in the previous episode. All she had to do was learn how to f- go to 40,000 feet in the air, and then all her problems were solved. She, de- she destroyed dozens of scorpions instantly. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of conversation, right, about all these battles and the utility of the dragons and how useful they are varies and changes very quickly and I think there's a lot of content on that and I like how we spent 50 minutes on Daenerys. I think some of the deeper psychological stuff. So I don't want to... Because I do have thoughts, obviously, about this, and I don't want it to seem like we're just like bashing the show, bashing the show, bashing the show. But the one thing I did notice was this battle didn't really have counterpunches. Not this battle. This entire war didn't have counterpunches in the moment. So Blackwater and the Battle of the Bastards, there were ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Tyrion does something, and then Stannis, still, then Stannis responds in the battle, and then Tyrion gives a speech, and then Tywin ultimately comes in. In Blackwater, you have, you know, Ramsay luring in John, and then you have John and them doing a fight, and then you have um, Ramsay circling them, and then you have Peter coming in. It's like back and forth, back sure, and forth. These last two seasons, every single battle they had was lopsided and one one of the sides was a completely and utterly overmatched and unprepared. So whether you go from Euron's two surprise attacks, one on the dragon and one on the ships with the sand snakes and the Greyjoys, whether you go with Daenerys um, spraying the, sh- the, um, the Lannister gold and the Lannister army, or you go to the or you go to this bat this battle, there was no back and forth. No. Whoever had the upper hand had the upper hand all the way and you know it was maddening to see Cersei have no real backup plan it was maddening I think all the things that you know Varys said all of you know the last episode that now it's distressing or two episodes ago it's now distressingly even and the critiques of the show is that they wanted to get to this point where the battle was more suspenseful and get to this Danny turn so they made characters do things that weren't logical like the suicide mission up north for the zombie last episode to get rid of a dragon mm-hmm. where Daenerys and her you know, right, the other dragon are flying but don't see the ships, get surprise attacks, the dragon dies, but then Danny can't fly back around like she did this episode and kill all the ships. Certain of those things are small things that didn't make sense, that aren't as deep to talk about as Danny's um, turn, 
but nonetheless don't make sense. And then we get to this point where the battle was the easiest battle we've ever seen. And I do kind of like how Tyrion this whole time has been like trying to hold back, trying to hold back. It will fall in a day. It is not close. It is not close. I defended King's Landing. It will not be close. And it actually did not end up being close. And this was all to basically set up that they they won the war. It, it just... The whole thing was to show how crazy Danny was because they didn't want any moral ambiguity. And I wish they did want moral ambiguity. I wish it was a tough battle where Danny had to go after Cersei and she killed people um, because of her indifference or her carelessness. But instead, they had her kill people and kill everyone she could after the battle was over. They made the battle so easy to, just to show an even starker contrast with how mad they wanted Danny to look because it was so easy and they were done and everyone surrendered. And now we want Danny to kill everyone. So that, I think, is ultimately a failure as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. Is like, it was so lopsided, and then she did what she did. Like, she, it was no sweat. Like, you know, she just still trepidated. And it just would have been more interesting if, it, if Cersei had, like, a wildfire plan or something besides the crossbows. It was, it was disappointing that... There's not even a scorpion on the on the perch of the red but, key, yeah, yeah. like with with the queen, with like that the the mountain could could handle. And right, it's a disservice to Cersei, right? You and I have both been saying how she's like a you know a really good strategic and one of the strongest leaders, and you were saying how she like became Tywin. Like Tywin wouldn't be holding up all helpless, and I don't think Denying Cersei that like not aware of what. Yeah. Where Euron is, that the Golden Compass had been destroyed, like, and I don't think Cersei would have done that. So I think the show failed Cersei there too, where they kind of make her this um, helpless damsel in distress with no solution, and they make Daenerys this kind of helpless. She is totally overcome by her own emotions, and she can't control herself. So I feel like they did a disservice to both Cersei and Daenerys. Speaking of whom, yeah. I think the way they ended it, people didn't like. They thought she should, probably should have been skinned alive or like burnt alive. It was, it was fine. It I was think fun. like with with Jamie, I thought they, it was Jamie, good acting. Good acting. Yeah, both of them are great actors. They did love each other. Right. She she was so overwhelmed that it's you almost didn't want her to see Danny. You wanted her to die from from anything else, and she did. It was just kind of a, a farewell and kind of like they they Jamie has fought beside her for at least him to die with her. It was nice. Um, I really enjoyed the battle with Euron. I thought that was exciting. Euron is so crazy, which made it fun when Jamie killed him. Even though I'm well, sure Euron still thinks he killed Jamie. Yeah, right. Like Euron is that guy that like thinks he won when he yeah. clearly lost. Yeah. He's like, I killed the Kingslayer, dude. You're he, dying in Kingslayer. He Kingslayer's. texted all his friends like Jamie's Jamie's dead. So I got it. <laughs> it was easier than I thought. Um, but yeah, I had no. Everyone was disappointed. Like she was. No, that was fine. I think that was fine. Way more... It was funny is you did the death... I don't know if you did one for this Sunday. I missed it. I doubt it. No. You did like the death pool and the betting. I did notice you weren't there. For episode three. And there were way more people died this episode. For sure. Way more I, prominent I, I, people. I, I, you, you almost knew that this was going to happen when you had only three deaths. Granted, yeah. great main characters. Um, and that, I think that's just like... If you wanted all your characters to die in one episode... That was unrealistic, and I and I fell for it. Um, I don't really have much to talk about with, with with Varys. Do you? The only thing I would say, you know, Varys, one of my favorite characters of all time. He mm-hmm. ended up being right. Um, now, I think the reasons for why he was being right are the reasons that I was kind of critiquing as double standard and sexist. Um, but I liked the scene with him and Tyrion to finish. That was emotional. It was well acted. When he goes, I hope I'm wrong. I do really think he always cared about the realm. I do really think, 
he's almost a good, some people would say, a good model of how fandom should be, where you're not loyal to these terrible teams all the time. And he, he's kind of like a fair weather fan. But when it comes to politics, it's like, or comes to, you know, trying to have the right opinion, you have to change when the facts change. Sure. And he did. Now I would critique, I would criticize his view that John is no doubt the better leader. I don't, I think we all like John and, and gives really good speeches, but he's failed in strategy. He never really showed that he's got the kind of qualities that would make him better than Ned was. Um, but I think Varys was always fighting for the realm. I think it made sense for her to ha- have him killed. He was tr- trying to kill her. He was trying to poison her. Uh, what I didn't think made a lot of sense was his raven plan where he was just going to sit in the basement, write a note, then fold it up, write a note, then burn it. Like, you're obviously going to get caught. Varys is smarter than that. The idea of poisoning her food with the girl, that's pretty lock and step it's with normal stuff. Un- it's like But the, the, the sitting there with the writing seemed maybe he truly was conflicted he knew Tyrion was on the other side didn't know what to truly do and was scared but he also felt like his plan you know she wasn't eating and that was like his main move so then all right she's not eating you can't just worry about this raven and then who is this raven going to like who who's going to care they've they've shrinken the board so much like the prince of dorm who they won't even name anymore because they care don't care about him he's not going to care sansa already knows so who is this letter going to that's going to diminish danny's power and the the last thing with with Varys is obviously we saw the exchange with him and john in the beginning of the episode kind of him warning john i think it's the first time anyone's not the first time it's another person putting it in his mind that, like, look out for the queen. And obviously we see John's interaction with Danny when she says, am, you know, am I your queen? You know, you're my queen. And she's like, is, that, is there anything else? And John is, is distancing himself from Danny. He's very loyal to her, as he's always loyal, right? He's Ned Stark. He's loyal till you know, to day 260, whatever. He's... This is, this is the biggest storyline is how, what is John... John was petrified... At what he saw, he was mortified at all these extra deaths that he does not approve of. That's not something he stands for. He wants he wants to get away from death as much as possible. Does Varys's little commentary that you will lead well is that the motivation to have him act next week to just kind of be a loyal servant to Danny, or does he try to flee and you know engage in some sort of conflict for, with with Grey Worm? Maybe Grey Worm has to like track him down. He has three options. Stay by Danny's side, get killed by Danny for objecting to any of what she did. Because you can't imagine that she's right now waiting on Tyrion and John to say, uh, Danny, you went a little overboard there, but you know, maybe you could have uh, slowed down the, uh, the murder, murderous genocide. She's not going to listen to that from John or Tyrion. Or does John want to flee King's Landing, you know, ASAP as possible? Winterfell to the north, anywhere but King's Landing, which would seem like the most reasonable plan, but does the Ned Stark and him want to at least confront her? So, if they have Tyrion and Jon return to her and have like some kind of meeting of the small council and they're trying to mitigate the damage, that tells me that the show writers or John and Tyrion, but I think the show writers, do not at all understand what they just had Daenerys do. I right. think if it's the collateral damage thing, then they can, you can make that argument that they're trying to mitigate that damage. The, the, a genocide just happened. This kind of reminds me 
of when we talked about what Stannis did to Shireen, just times 100,000, where if the show really understands what they just made that character do, there has to be huge ramifications in the next episode. And they did that with Stannis. Half the army left, The his wife committed suicide, and then he lost. And that was like a fall of a tragic hero where pride and power consumed him. He abandoned the things that he believed. He abandoned the people that he loved, and he ultimately paid the iron price for it. That is good storytelling or better storytelling. They have to do the same thing with Daenerys, in my opinion. But the worry, I have a quote here from one of the show writers when in the little after the scene where they explain what we just saw, Sparknotes version, which is unnecessary. He goes, Danny decides she may have to get things done in a way that's horrible to lots of people. The problem with this is she didn't have to do what she did to get things done. That wasn't in pursuit of Cersei. She killed all those people needlessly. They already surrendered. But if the show writer, and we talked about this at nauseum, so I'm sorry if I'm being redundant, but if, if the show writers believe that Daenerys is somehow not Hitler, is somehow not some genocidal maniac that just killed people to kill people, that's what they just had her do. So Tyrion, John, Arya, everyone else needs to act accordingly, and that certainly is not coming and talking to her. And maybe John will ultimately meet his demise and his love will over, overgo his logic. But you just said he doesn't really love her that way. He's having trouble getting over the ant thing. Um, so I think it's more likely that they're going to come band together and try to get rid of Daenerys. Um, but I think, you know, what do you think of this? Like the John and Daenerys love story, I also think is a failure on the show where Daenerys now is so in love. I mean, they didn't really show that on the show for us to believe they're so in love. John's saying he's in love, but he's really not like physically attracted to because he's having trouble with the ant thing. But then Daenerys is now so heartbroken that, that this is supposed to be one of those crumbs that leads to the genocide. And it just, it, it falls flat on me because I, I, I just, what John is doing now, I actually really appreciate. I am having trouble being physically attracted to you, but I am still devoted to you. I am still loyal to you, and I'm still going to follow you. That's what I think it should have always been. It shouldn't have been a physical love thing. And but then they make Daenerys this like, oh, I'm in love, and now I can't. I'm now this is the last straw, which I think is a disservice to her. But I like what John that like he's still by her, yeah. Even if he's not physically attracted to her, yeah. It's. I agree. If 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 she if she's gonna take this character turn into you know crazy town, and everyone she's just all feared by including by John and Tyrion, I'd imagine that's how they're feeling right now. It's just a weird situation now that we're wondering that you were lovers four episodes ago, doing the nasty, and now you are. We were just we're just very torn by it. I don't know. The last issue with this, I mean, we're just, maybe we should have made a list of problems with the with the directors. No, and I, and I, don't, Arya, I hope and I hope it doesn't come off that way because that is annoying to people. But maybe we, I, I feel like just to defend us for a second, there's a grand debate going on about Danny's turn and what led her to do that. And part of that is critiquing some of the things the show writers did, but a lot of it is just taking what happened in the show and saying, does that lead to what we saw? Does that make sense? I think that's an interesting conversation. The last thing, yeah. And I, not not Clegane Bowl because I know you, I know how you feel. I'm more disappointed. The listeners don't know how we feel. Did anyone like the Clegane Bowl? I did. It's kind of. Right, so let's let's talk about it for a second. Okay. My quick take is 
the drama of it all was the hound and the brother and the emotion and they've had this vendetta their whole life. But now the mountain isn't the mountain. He's not really his brother. They made him into this absurd monster that can't be killed. So I think even though it was visually unbelievable, like the hound walking up Crazy. those steps with the, the crumbling, it looked like an apocalypse, you had the dragon flying over it. It was shot beautifully, absolutely stunning television. The whole episode was shot beautifully. But I just think it removes the emotion of it where the hound, he's fighting a monster. He's not fighting his brother. That's my problem with it. Yeah, and I think it's it's so it's discerning to see that he can't kill he, he the the hound won twice, and it's like you stab him in the stomach and then you stab him in the eye, and you got out of his lockjaw eyeball crush, which is like mm-hmm. I was like oh to please I'm not watching this again. It still has horrified me since Prince Oberyn, um, but I like it because in the end they both just die, which is kind of nice because that storyline wasn't gonna end with one of them living like the mountain is going to be doing what like living this hulk life and like just, <laughs> just wandering through westeros like that wasn't going to happen yeah. and the hound didn't want to live anymore he like went in to do com- and i think i honestly am still not convinced that the mountain is dead because i don't think maybe he can be killed <laughs> but i think the show wants us to believe that he's dead and the I sad was, the sad irony of the hound dying by fire too of course yeah um my problem with and they did a really good job of showing the parallels between the Hound and Arya, and we got this admission that um, Arya kind of is almost like looking up to the Hound in a way, which is yeah. kind of, we've never felt like... Like a father figure. I think they were hinting sure, that at times. Sure, to a, to a degree, but then it's like, when they have the confrontation, do you want to be like me? Because if you do, you're going to die here. And she goes, she is the person, she is the MVP who killed the Night King. She has been unequivocally declared by you and me, which is basically the most important podcast when it comes to Game of mm-hmm. Thrones, the most dangerous single combat person in Westeros, right? Mm-hmm. We don't believe anyone would stand in front of her and, and defeat her. Yet she is covered in debris the entire episode, keeps trying to save this mom and daughter, and then gets knocked out by a rock over and over again. She came all the way down the King's Road from, from Winterfell to King's Landing, is a few steps away from Cersei, who has been on this list for multiple years. And then when she goes off, she is like just another civilian. I just don't believe that's a fitting you know, plot line for Arya in this penultimate and critical importance episode to just kind of be just around. Like, I'd rather her not even... I'd rather that she drift off into the city for a little bit than keep showing her falling down and getting up and doing literally nothing. And then getting on the, the horse at the end. Like, womp womp. I mean, it's just... For the most dangerous person in Westeros, like, do find something better for her to do, accomplish. Did you see the Old Town Road remix? A hundred times. Talk? Okay. So, um, I actually didn't have a problem with it. I actually really, you know, I kind of like every single scene Arya's in. I think they do a great job with her. Um, I get why she got that far with the Hound, but as the the apocalypse is raining down upon them and Daenerys is making the sky fall, you know, things change. And I think Arya and the Hound both realize that this is a suicide mission. No one's getting out of it. And I think this whole time we said, you know, 
is Arya just an assassin? Is that all she's going to become? Like, that's pretty sad if that's all she's going to become. And I think it was a hopeful scene that the Hound is like, you can do better. You don't need to just be an assassin. You could live a whole life. You know, you could be an adult. So I like that. You know, I love the scenes of her running through the streets trying to save as many people as possible. And I think it shows, I, I like what you're saying, that like, she's this dominant force. She should be respected more. We're talking about her as someone who could possibly take down Daenerys next episode. But Yet she can't stay on her feet for but, this entire battle. But isn't that point that like when you have this weapon of mass destruction, we're not talking about single combat anymore. You have a drone or whatever you want to call it raining fire down upon the people and it shows that this weapon is so disastrous and so dangerous that no one John couldn't either John wasn't doing you know so like anyone in its path and Arya was kind of our eyes for the ground level to see all the disaster that Daenerys and her dragon was causing so I thought they did a good job with that I get what you're saying though that that Arya should have been a better spot but I think once you're in it once you're down there you no matter how good at fighting you are you're running out fire you know, she's great at her sword, but anyone who's down there is going to have trouble escaping this weapon of mass destruction. That's what Gendry says. She's good with the swords. <laughs> All right. Next week, anything that you're looking forward to? I, I need them. Shortly. I need we, them. We got, our, we got yeah, their full attention. I need them to understand the gravity of what they had Daenerys do. And it needs to be some kind of tragic fall like Stannis where, you know— either suicide or she is killed, but the people around her, and it's fine if she has some army members, you know, the Dothraki and some people not question her and kind of just roll with it and say it was war and have trouble finding the difference in what she did or also just being so mad and being mad at the people that have seen them as others their entire lives. You know, it's kind of like Grey Worm. He lost the thing he loved and he lost his kind of exit ramp and he's just a you know, continent that always looked down upon him and he's like, I'm going to fight with my queen. So I get people sticking with her, but John, Tyrion, Arya, obviously, I should not be sticking with her, should obviously be plotting against her or just totally going rogue and living by themselves. I'm not interested in the Sansa I told you so scenes mm -hmm. because she wasn't there, Brienne wasn't there, and the reasons that you didn't like her was basically because she was foreign and she was, I think, a powerful woman, a threat to her, to Sansa. You didn't hate her because you thought she was... You know, exploiting. This is, again, this is again you thinking that well, I just you think, want the show to hate women so you can complain. Sansa no, doesn't like her because she thinks that she's manipulating John. Fine, but I'm saying that though that's the wrong reason too. That sure, but not because she's a powerful woman. I'm sure Sansa would love a but a threat. A, a, a threat was full of power. A threat. A threat, a threat to her. Sure. She's another happens, that happens to be a woman. Well, I could have said a power. Yeah, she's a powerful person. If a man in, had John's affinity. It would have been the same thing. Yes. I'm just saying she was a powerful threat. Don't agree that John My like point a man or a woman is that, that like him. Yeah, but that's okay. not the right reason to like her. Not to, I to think that was, her. yeah, the right reason to dislike her was because whatever you saw in Marine, which Sansa saw nothing in Marine about her, her maybe like only caring about power and whatever. But, so I don't want Sansa's I told you so moment. I want Arya, John, and Tyrion to try to do something. But I really don't care, honestly. At this point, I think people looking like if the stocks end on top, like it's not a happy ending. They just killed a hundred thousand innocent people. Daenerys did, so 
I just think that's the regardless show. Regardless of outcome. I think regardless of outcome, the message to me is there are no heroes. You can't trust political leaders. These rich families are out for themselves and no one else. And I'm not going to forget the North's racism towards the Dothraki, towards the Unsullied, towards Grain Worm, Misande, towards their xenophobia and refusal to like anyone that's foreign. I'm not going to now champion them if Sansa ends up on the throne and say, oh, the Starks and all their northern lords and northern families won, and that's a good ending. I'm not down for that. So I think they should go the dark route and let the throne be destroyed and let no one be leading and let everyone go chill with Tormund up north or wherever they want and Tyrion have his wine thing and be sad and happy at the same time but the Starks winning means nothing to me because it's just like another rich family taking over that had their own problematic views what do you want to see in the last episode I I think that we are going to lose a very important main character again I think Tyrion is about to be the end of House Lannister um, which would kind of be a fitting thing for fans of the show who dealt with the ups and downs that come with the Lannister house. And we all rooted for Tyrion, and he kind of hinted that he might be going, he might be on his way out in, when he made that deal with Jamie. I don't think Daenerys is going to forgive anything that he's done. Not that he did anything wrong, objectively, but she doesn't see things through the same lens as anyone else. Well, hopefully he's not there to reap that justice. Hopefully he leaves. But yeah, if he stays, he's going to be in trouble. Sure. I think. Would you stay around if your right, leader became it Hitler? Be, it might not be that easy to get out of her grasp, especially with Killer Grey Worm on the loose. I think what this is going to be is the Danny is sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of this show, and we have our next version of the of the of the wheel. We have the Starks and the Baratheons. Right, we have Gendry, and the North, and all these other forces are going to be plotting to overthrow the Mad Queen, just as the Robert's Rebellion was so many years ago. I don't know if it's Arya's Rebellion or Sansa's Rebellion or John's Rebellion or we can call him Aegon's Rebellion. It might 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 get even a, a name. It's going to be a ending with the rebellion. Basically, we went through all this killing and chaos and power struggles for the same old. To happen. So I kind of like that theory that it's like... Is it because that the message no matter who's on top, no one's happy? And, and it's like this dark thing where like, unless you disrupt the entire system, it's just going to be another wheel. And even the people that think they're breaking the wheel are just another poke on the wheel. And it's kind of like a dark ending. That's pretty cool. You see what's going on here? Yep. The Pelicans Zion. got Zion coming yep. to New Orleans. And we, we end the show with breaking news. That's a spoiler for the NBA draft. So I'm sorry, people right, on the West Coast. All, but that's a... I'm not even going to give it. Whoever was going was taping the NBA draft to watch next week. Sorry. Like, yeah. Sorry. We laughed less this episode, so I don't know if it was an, as an enjoyable episode, but the episode was kind of dark. Yeah, I don't know who, who was happy. Yeah. Last episode, I feel like we were yucking it up a lot more. Well, yeah. We, we were, only have we one, were wasted. One more episode of JC in the ball. Until Survivor's finale. Yeah. And then we That's started. tomorrow. I know. <laughs> no, who do you like the most? I like... Um, Devin's. I mean, he, he and I he, like Gavin as well. Devin's is feeling himself. He's like yeah, running well, I'm around. Super nervous. I'm he super he nervous. loves being like the this little is, villain. It's like, like, dude, you're just kind of annoying. I like Victoria. Um, Why? Because I think she's playing like a quiet, smart game. She's been killed. What I Aurora is the one I'm like, about twists. <laughs> they, you can't have Exile Island and have just <laughs> Devin's come back. So Joe, <laughs> Kelly, maybe that other beefcake. One of them is going to 
outwit, outlast, and get themselves back in the show, and they have a chance to shake things up late. But that was but such Devin's a shortcut. Not, but Devin's has, first of all, been voted out, came back, and made some really crafty moves since he's been back. So it's going to be a lot, even if like Joe were to come and start dominating challenges, unless he plotted to overthrow Devin's. Joe is the only one, I think, or, or Kelly, because she's a very good player, or David, one of these veterans to come back and just shake S up. Well, De- Devin's has an idol, so he he's automatically in the top four, too. So he's in a perfect position. So basically, he's going to get down to the final three decision, so he'll get to the top four, and then he either wins immunity, he's automatically in the top three, or whatever. But... The Edge of Extinction is a little crazy where after Devin's, they basically just keep people on this island the entire show. And now it's almost better to be on that island because now Joe right. didn't have to go to any tribal council. He wins a challenge and now he's in the final six. Yeah. And then he just has to win two immunities in the fi- Like it's almost like you'd, for Joe, I'm sure he'd rather Edge of Extinction. He doesn't have to talk to anyone, doesn't have to play the game. He just can kind of live on his island and do a couple challenges and get to the end. But I doubt they let someone like that win, but we'll see. You could say that Westeros is kind of on Exile Island right now, and we're just hoping for someone to step up and maybe shake up the game. But Yeah, and a last positive thing, we're so invested in the show, it sparks so much conversation and controversy, and of course when it gets this big, everyone's going to critique every little thing. I think the Danny conversation is one of the more interesting things that any show has ever done, sure. and it's not as much critiquing little things that the show has done. It's like, this is super interesting, super deep, let's talk it through, and that's cool if a show does it. It's kind of like Tony Soprano, like, is he a good guy or a bad guy, right? So, like, I think that's one of the big things, right? Sure. So it's like, good shows do that. Yeah. So I, I don't, th- don't want to blast the show so much. I've definitely enjoyed it. It's been yeah, a wild well, I ride. Think, I think that's based on their earlier work. I think if I just wish they didn't. They, I still they, love they every episode. They didn't rush the, the this yeah, these plot lines. Of course, it's a show is about the characters as much as it is the plot. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you next week. For Last the, episode for the, of Jason Paul.